This is the EWN Podcast Network. Everybody wants to win. It's how we define success in life. Michelle Nagel explores resilience, teaches you happiness hacks, and provides tools for building positive relationships, all of which are essential for winning at the game of life. Join us to learn how to roar. Hi, I'm Michelle Nagel, your podcast host for Roar to Win. Welcome, and thank you very much for joining me. And I really appreciate the fact that obviously there was something about the name that attracted you. What does it mean to roar to win? Well, what does roar stand for? Roar is resilience, optimism, accountability, and resourcefulness, which are all qualities and habits which you absolutely must embrace in order to win in any aspect of your life. So what does it mean to win? Earl Nightingale, founder of Nightingale Conant, said that success is the progressive realization of a worthy goal or ideal. Now, most of us are in some kind of business position, entrepreneur or things like that. But there are some people who have other parts of their lives too, because really, in spite of the fact that you may spend so much time on your business, that isn't what you do with your entire life. There's other things that you do too. So what does success mean? Well, Success means whatever it means to you. It doesn't mean what it means to your neighbor and not to your competitor and not to your relatives or your friends. It's what does it mean to you deep down in your heart, deep down in your soul? What does success mean to you? So that might be that you want to be a stay-at-home mom and that would be a successful thing to be then do that and be the best stay-at-home mom that you can be. Or you want to be a president of a company. Well, then do that and be the very, very best person that you can be. Just be the best. Not the best in the world, the best that you can be. And what does that look like? Well, a lot of us are so busy beating ourselves up because we forgot to do something or because maybe something we did do wasn't perfect. Like, I can't begin to tell you how many times I've had to record this podcast because it wasn't perfect. But you have to do it over and over and over again because in your mind, success means that it has to be according to a certain number of steps or it has to look a certain way, it has to feel a certain way. That doesn't necessarily mean that is successful because that's an outward trapping. What it mean, what success means is what's successful to you, to your core values. What is successful to who you are? What's going to represent who you are? And if who you are is who everybody else wants you to be, then you're never going to feel like you're a success. You have to be who you are, who you individually are not who somebody else told you to be. And that's one of the problems, one of the biggest problems that we face as individuals, regardless of whether or not we are entrepreneurs or what we're doing with our lives. The biggest trial and struggle that we face is just being authentically who we are without having all of the pressure from everybody else telling us who we should be. So. The bottom line is you can't be truly successful in any kind of endeavor without being successful in your personal life. So let's strip your business away, strip everything away, and 
we come down to who you are as a core individual. So if you're not the president of a company or if you're not the CEO, who are you? Who are you outside of that? And if there is no you outside of that, you've got a serious problem because we are supposed to be human beings, not human doings. And we need to expand our soul and be who we are. So many years ago, my story, just to let you know a little bit who I am, what do I, you know, what do I know about any of this? When I was born, I was born into a family that had some real serious problems. It was highly dysfunctional and very abusive. And my mother left when I was three years old. She just up and left. She was done with the family and wanted nothing more to do with any of us. So at the age of three, I experienced abandonment for the first time. And then my father remarried and there was another woman who came in who was, she was okay for a while until she figured out that we weren't really going to accept her as mom. She really was somebody different. She didn't replace our mother. And that was really difficult for her. And eventually she fell into alcoholism and abuse of me in particular. I can't speak for my siblings. Um, and so between my father and my stepmother and my mother who abandoned me, I felt like my value and my worth was totally non-existent. And I suffered every aspect of abuse that you can imagine at the hands of another individual. And that really formed the way I think. It's a true fact. There's something called the Adverse Childhood Experiences Study. And it's just a true fact that a child who has gone through tremendous stresses and abuse throughout their life, their brain forms differently than a child who doesn't have that kind of issues. And so in relationships that I've had in the past, I look at life from a, oh my goodness, is this going to hurt me? I have to constantly be on guard because if I don't, I'm going to get nailed. So I look at things of, from a defensive stance where other people that I've been in a relationship with where they've not experienced any abuse in their life at all look at life as a, wow, this is exciting. Let's go ahead and just jump in without looking at the consequences of what might happen, which makes me really uncomfortable, but it is okay for them. So we've all got some kind of trauma in your life. Even if you were not an abused individual, I bet you can remember as soon as I say this, remember the first time your best friend betrayed you. Now, how many of you immediately had your head go, oh yeah, I remember. You immediately went there, went there. You were transported there. You remember exactly what it was like the first time that your friend betrayed you. I bet you do. You can probably remember where you were, what you were wearing, what it looked like, what it felt like, what it smelled like. You've got all of that memory in there. It's locked in your brain. It's locked in your memories. So every time that we experience some kind of traumatic thing, whether we call it trauma or not, it's still traumatic. It still causes us to have a response in our body of, of flinching back. 
Now, there's an example of an amoeba. An amoeba is a one-celled animal, and they look at them under uh, microscopes in a petri dish most often because they're so small you can't can't see them with the naked eye. But they have figured that if you poke it with a pin, it's going to flinch back, and it then will recover. It'll come back out again, and then they poke it with a pinch again, and it flinches back again. And this time, it's a little bit slower to recover. And then they poke it again, and it comes back again. And then it's a lot slower to recover. And that's what happens to us when we have repeated trauma, when we have people who don't validate us. We have these emotions that we experience, that we go through. All we want to do is be validated. Just validate me. So how many times have you had an experience where you've wanted to tell somebody that you had this traumatic experience, maybe it was something that broke your heart, something that frightened you, any of those things, you want to talk about it because that's who we are as individuals. We are social people. We are pack animals, really. We want to be with somebody and we want to be validated by somebody. So you go to somebody and you say, this happened to me and they go, Oh, it's not that bad. Suck it up, buttercup. Well, to you, it was that bad. And to you, it has the possibility of shifting and changing how you look at life for the rest of your life. So I had to go through a great deal of uh, inner work. I had to do a lot of work because I kept making choices that, kept putting me in the same kind of circumstances. So I would make a choice and it'd have a negative consequence. And I think, oh, this is no good. I got to get out of this. So I would make another choice. I'd go somewhere else to go something different. And I'd find myself in the exact same circumstance all over again. And I couldn't figure out why I kept doing the same thing over and over and over again. And I would say, Michelle, you are not a stupid woman. Why can't you figure this out? And the reason I couldn't figure it out is because that trauma was actually seated in my cells. And until you actually release the trauma from your cells, you're going to continue to be guided by it throughout your life because you've got something in the back of your head. You know those little voices back there that you hear? We all hear voices in our heads. Those voices back there are designed to keep you safe. That is their job. And so... Even it doesn't matter if something is dangerous or not crossing the street. If you've had a negative experience crossing the street, you're going to hesitate going across the street. It's just what they are there to do and are designed to do. I was able, with the help of some wonderful counselors and some wonderful coaches, to be able to figure out how to let go of all of that stuff, all that garbage in the back of my life so that I could move forward and be a successful individual. Because what is ignored does not go away. It doesn't. You have to deal with the baggage in your life. And there's something that God in the universe wants you to fix about yourself in order to be a better person. Otherwise, you keep getting the same kinds of experiences and relationships until you fix whatever it is inside of you that needs to be fixed. So if you go from one relationship to another, you take you with you and you are the problem. That's why you keep getting the same kinds of relationships. Because there's something, not that you're broken, something in you that needs to be 
improved or changed in order to make you a better person, to be your better and higher self. You're going to have to make some changes and you're going to have to you're going to have to look at the things in your life that are not working for you and figure out what there is about you that's causing it. I hate to tell you this, I really am, but you really are responsible for most of the garbage that goes on in your life. So what does roar mean? Roar is resilience. And resilience is the ability to bounce back from adverse happenings, things that happen that that cause you pain. So it could be any number of things. It could be somebody says something rude to you. It could be somebody flips you off when you're driving down the street. It could be any negative impact that you have. How quickly are you able to bounce back from that? How quickly are you able to adjust and shift and move forward and overcome this obstacle? And what are you gonna, how are you going to do that? Well, we all have in ourselves a resilience battery. And the majority of us are moving through life with our battery completely depleted. There's nothing left because we've used it all up. What a lot of us have a tendency to do is we want to take care of everybody else. We want to um, make sure that the people around us are taken care of. They have their needs met. They have everything that they need. That's the nurturing kind of personality. And if you happen to be a nurturing kind of personality, you're going to discover that at the end of the day, you don't have hardly anything left for yourself because you've given it all away. So as an example of that, uh, a woman many, many years ago, she probably is no longer around, um, told me an analogy. When we are born, we are given a bucket, and it's called a love bucket. And all the people who raise us are supposed to be putting their love into that bucket so that when we have a difficult circumstance come up, a, a, you know, somebody at school makes fun of us or we fail on a test or somebody embarrasses us or we feel some kind of, of negative thing, that we can reach into that love bucket and we can go, oh, okay. I'm okay because I am loved. I have all of this love. And then when we somebody see somebody else that needs something from us, then we can reach into the love bucket and we can say, here, you can share some of my love. Because if the love is in the bucket, you never ever take it away. It never goes away. But for many of us, when we were raised and when we were given that love bucket, instead of putting love into the bucket, people were poking holes in the bucket so that what love we did get put in there just drained out the bottom. So now that we're adults and we have things that we have to take care of, we have businesses we have to take care of, we have coworkers that we have to interact with, we have clients that we have to provide services for, we have all of these and personal relationships, let's not forget about those, all of those things that we have to do, then we reach into our love bucket and go, oh good, I want to take care of this problem, but there's nothing in there. There's nothing in your love bucket to give to anybody. So what is your chore, your task, is to learn how to patch the holes in that love bucket so that you can get love from other people and you're never going to get enough. And so you have to learn 
how to fill that love bucket yourself. I know, isn't that awful? It's not what you want to hear. You want to be able to hear the magic bullet. You want to be able to hear, this is going to fix me. How do I, how do I fix this? But it's going to take work, and I'm sorry. I really am sorry. I wish you'd had a better kind of life. I wish that you had had those loving people in your life that you needed to have in order to be able to have the resilience that you need to be able to force today or to be able to face today's challenges. But you didn't get it. And I, I sincerely am sorry for that. But what we're going to be doing in this podcast and the series that we're coming up with is to teach you how you can patch that bucket and how you can fill it back up again, how you can hack into happiness See, we all want to be happy. That's really all we want is just to be happy. How many times have you thought, if I could just be happy? Okay, we all want that. Well, there are ways to hack into it. And we keep thinking, okay, if I do this, I'll be happy. If I'll do that, I'll be happy. And we go through a a thing called, I'll be happy when. And when never shows up. I'll be happy when I get this job. Well, you get that job. And are you happy? No, because that isn't the problem. I'll be happy when my spouse improves. You're not going to be happy because your spouse isn't the problem. I'll be happy when my kid stops behaving so badly. Well, you're not going to be happy because chances are that that may not happen. And the kid's not the problem. So everything that we have to work with on hacking happiness, how to become more happy, how to find happiness. It's not out there. Happiness does not exist out there. Happiness is here. The shift is within you because happiness is within, not without. Now, I'm going to show you or tell you actually Something really cool that I learned from Dr. Mark Atkinson. He is um, an integrated medicine doctor, and he's really cool about talking about what makes us who we are, how we got there. So we, as, as children, when we're born, we are completely sensory individuals. We are 100% body-oriented if you hand, you know, put something interesting in front of a child, they will grab it and stick it in their mouth. They want to taste it. They want to feel it. They want to experience it. It's just a completely sensory kind of a thing. And I'm sure that you've all had or been able to see a baby startle. If not, look it up on the internet. I'm sure somebody's got a picture of it. A startle, a baby startle. It's because the sensory sensory input comes in and it is so overwhelming that the baby goes wow like that and usually starts to cry so we have all of this sensory input coming in and we can't deal with it it's so completely overwhelming that we simply cannot deal with it and so what we do is we figure out somehow that if we cut ourselves off about here and live up here We don't have to be aware of what's going on down here. So we cut ourselves off from our feelings. We cut ourselves off from our emotions. We cut ourselves off from our intuition. We cut ourselves off from being able to discern 
whether things are good for us or not, we cut ourselves off from our heart, from our ability to connect with another individual by way of our heart. We had to do that. That was a safety mechanism. That was how we could survive and how we could grow up. That was the only way that we knew how to do it. So here we are, adults. The problem is that most of us still live from here up. That's it. Not any further. And so where, what we have here is the ego. And the ego is all about me. It's all about what makes me happy. It's all about what I want to do. It's all about what I want. And so in a relationship, for example, when somebody starts talking, do you already have your head going in the response or the retort or the rebuttal that you're going to give them? It's almost like somebody comes to you and says, can we talk about the car? And you start suddenly start going in about, I know the car payment is too high, or I know, oh no, what did you do? Did you dent the car? Or, you know, you just immediately run off with all of this stuff going on in your head and you're not listening to what the other people have to say. So you have two sets of ears. You do. It's really odd. You have two sets of ears. One of them are, is up here and we can all see them. We all have ears. We can all see them. But the important set of ears that we need to have in order to have a really good relationship in our business or in our personal life is the set of ears that's connected to your heart. And if you are only living from here up, you can't get to what's down here. You can't listen to your gut. You can't feel with your heart. You can't interact with other people. So I am a heart math facilitator and heart math Institute, which is in California has been studying the resonance of the heart, the coherence of the heart for years and years and years. And what they've discovered is that there is a heart field that comes out around each one of us. And they don't have the instruments really to measure how far out from the body your own heart field goes. But they are doing studies that are showing that we can actually connect with each other throughout the world when we are all concentrating on the same thing with our heart. So my heart field, for example, let's just put some easy numbers on it. Okay, my heart field say, will be five feet around me, a five-foot circumference around me. And there's a five-foot circumference around you. And when we're in the room with each other, our heart fields are interacting with each other. And you've experienced that. You've walked into a room and instantly you know that somebody's upset. And all you had to do was walk in the room because you were able to see it. Some people call those spidey senses but you were able to feel what was going on in the room. And that is the heart coherence. That's the heart talking to the heart because that's really how we communicate with each other is heart to heart. If our head is completely involved, however, the circumference of the signals from our head is only one foot apart. So unless you're actually really close to somebody, your head is not even connecting with them. And you don't talk to your business clients and business partners with your head that close to each other all the time. You don't. 
So the way we interact with each other is with our heart. And that's a really important place for us to go to be. So when you're in your head and you're listening to you, it's like having a set of headphones on and you're listening to a radio station and it's called Radio Me. I'm listening about me, about what I like, about what I want, about the worldview from my point of view. And I'm making judgment and I am misunderstanding people and I am not connecting with people. It's like the words that come out of their mouth bounce off the headphones that you have on your head. And all you can hear is your interpretation of what it is that they said. Now, in my family, we have a really cute saying. It says, I know you think you understand what it was you thought I said. However, I'm not sure that you understand that what you heard is not what I meant. So I don't know if you can see, hopefully you can, when you listen with your heart, you can feel how the other person, what the other person is trying to convey. You can feel that a lot better. When you're in your head, all you can hear or feel is how does what they are saying impact me? Well, maybe it doesn't have anything to do with you. Maybe their, their conversation that they wanted to have about the car was that it wasn't working for them or that, um, you know, they lost the keys or that something happened that was beyond their control. Like there's pitch from the tree that we park the car under all the time. I want to have a conversation about the car. Now, I've run off in my mind that you want to have a conversation about the car. Oh, my gosh, you have broken, you, you know, wrecked the car. What a horrible thing. How we're going to have to go through the insurance. We're going to have to go through all this one. All I want to talk about is how do I get the pitch off the car? That's all I wanted to talk about. Oftentimes, most of the time, when we have a conflict with somebody, it's because we're not listening to them. It's because we don't hear them. We don't hear what it is that they have to say. And that makes it really, really difficult for us to connect with each other. So how do you get out of your head and into your body? Because it's like we've drawn a line there or put on some sort of container that will not allow you to get from there to there. Well, the way you get past that is to learn how to center yourself and how to ground yourself. And there are certain techniques that you can use. One of the most important ones is a, it's a, a meditation kind of a thing. It's, but it doesn't take very long. And you don't have to sit cross-legged on the floor. And you don't have to go through all of the, um, I guess, routine that we have programmed our brains to think meditation means. Some people like to meditate. Most people, most people don't. You know, they look at it as some kind of a woo-woo kind of a thing. But if you don't take the time to silence the mental chatter and all of the stuff that's going on in your head, then you can't hear what's going on in your heart. And you can't hear what other people are trying to say to you. So when we're in our head, we're basically unconscious. Have you gone from point A to point B and not known how you got there? It's because you're unconscious. You're on autopilot. You're just running through your life. 
So your morning routine might be like that. You get up in the morning and you do the exact same routine in the exact same sequence every single day of your life. That is being unconscious. Because if something comes along that throws off your routine, then you don't really know how to deal with it. And it messes up everything. But if you take the time to get grounded and centered first, and then you go through your day, it's going to make all the difference in the world. And also your ability to hack into resilience is increased tremendously. Because when you take that time, you then go ahead and refill your batteries. Something comes along, something happens, you've got that resilience, you've got that thing in your love bucket to be able to reach into, to grab, to, you, to help with your day. So the next thing of ROAR is, oh, optimism. And what does that have to do with success? I mean, how's that going to make you a successful person? Well, sometimes people will say, fake it till you make it. I'm not real fond of that one. But you do have to act as if. So I think faking and acting, to me, to me in my head, they, they're not the same thing. When, when you use the word fake, it's, it's real, it's not fake. And you're never, ever going to move past the image in your mind that it's fake because you're thinking, I'm going to fake it till I make it. A fake is not an authentic thing. It's not a heart-centered thing. It's not something that you really want to do. But if you act as if, so if I act as if I've lost 25 pounds and I feel 100% better about myself, then that is how I will behave. If I act as if my troublesome coworker is actually my best friend, then that's how I will behave toward that troublesome coworker. If I act as though I've got the best program since sliced bread and everybody wants it, and I act that way, then I'm going to start drawing those kinds of people to me because that's the kind of energy that I put out. If I'm putting out the energy of, oh, this is never going to work. I work so hard. I try and try and try and try and nothing ever works. Then that's what you're going to get. Really, truly it is. So it's important that you act as if you're already successful. You act as if you've already got all the money that you want. That doesn't mean you go spend all the money. It's that you have all the money. You already act as though you're in a loving relationship. You already act as though your children are awesome because they are. You already act as though you are a successful business person because inside that's who you are. You act who you are. And so with optimism, you have to believe that the universe is out to do you good. Instead of waking up with a negative attitude and saying, oh, it's going to be another day, another horrible day. I've had such a horrible week. I've had a horrible, and we spend all of our time talking about horrible, horrible, horrible. That's what we're going to get. Now, I recently had a very, very painful, painful experience that has caused me tremendous pain for months, months and months. It's a relationship challenge, which has quite frankly broken my heart. And 
shattered my world and, and made things really, really difficult for me. And it's been really hard for me. I get it. It's been really hard for me to get up in the morning and think today's going to be a good day and I'm going to act as if it's a good day. It's really been hard for me to do that. But each day that I do do that, it really helps. And each day makes me a little bit better and a little bit more toward the healing that I have. The A part is accountability. That's where you have to accept 100% responsibility for your life. You are living the life that you're living right now because of the choices that you have been making, because you have been um, making choices and doing the things that have gotten you where you are. You have interacted with people the way you've interacted with them that's why your relationship is the way that it is you cannot talk yourself out of a bad relationship you can only behave yourself out of a problem that your behavior got you into so 100 percent accountability means that you have to accept responsibility for everything that has gone gone on in your life and you can't say i can't help it because you can. You can sometimes, you can't help what other people do. Another, another person can choose to be dishonest. Another person can choose to leave you. Another person can choose to harm you in some way. And you didn't have any control over that. They did it. Somebody else did it. But you do have control over how you respond to it, not react, but respond. Are you loving? Are you kind? Are you supportive? Are you, you know, are you, are you doing your best to be a good person? Or are you reacting? Are you reacting in a really bad way? Oh, I'm going to get them back. I'm going to make them pay. I'm going to hurt them. I'm going to dive into my addictions because it's their fault. It's not their fault. How you respond is not their fault. They gave you the circumstance and you didn't have any control over that. But you do have absolute, complete control over how you respond. So say you fell in love with somebody else who doesn't happen to be your spouse. That was your fault. That was you allowing your thoughts to entertain thoughts about this other person instead of your spouse. Or if you lost a client that you've had for a long time, you can choose how you respond to losing that client. You can choose to sully their reputation. You can choose to call up the next person that they might hire and tell them how awful they were and how hard they were to work with. You can choose all that. Or you can choose to behave with integrity and say, thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity that I had to work with you and to grow with you. And you can send them on their way with your blessing. 100% responsibility for your life means you choose what you think, how you act, how you behave, and what you say. All of that comes out of you, and you are responsible for that. 
If your heart goes astray, you are responsible for allowing that to happen. So the last one is resourcefulness. Now, a lot of us sometimes feel like when we get into this trap with our businesses, we can't figure out how to make this work. How are we going to make this work from now on? I don't have the resources. I don't have enough money. I don't have, I don't know the right people. I can't find somebody who will be honorable and act with integrity. My VA is a is a total waste. I've, you know, my web designer, whatever it is that you have to deal with in your business or in your personal life, you have to believe, it goes back to the O, because all of these are intertwined. R-O-A-R, you can't do one without all of them. And so the resourcefulness goes back to the optimism, to believe that the universe is out to do you good. And when you believe that, not up here, but down here, when you really truly believe that, then you're able to start seeing things that you never saw before. How many of you have decided that you really like a certain handbag or perhaps a car or something like that? And you become aware that that's what you want. That's where your focus goes. This is what you want. And so you focus on that. And all of a sudden, you start seeing them all over the place. She's got one of those handbags. Look at that. There's one over there. And I didn't know there were so many of those handbags out here. I bought a, a blouse that I was really cool. I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was unique. I thought nobody else would have one. It was so cool. I bought it online. It was so unique. Nobody else would have one just like it. So I get on the plane. I get off the plane, step off into the airport. And what do I see as I'm walking down the hall? But a woman who has my shirt on, the exact same shirt. All I said was, you have great taste and went on my way. But the, the resources, our abilities, the things are out there. When you begin to focus on what it is that you really, truly want, what do you want? Do you really know what you really want? Have you written that down? What does your life look like? If you write down what you really want and just actually design it and set it out, this is what my life looks like when I have achieved whatever level of success it is that you're looking for. This is what my life looks like. Then when you focus on that, the universe is going, ah, they want, this is what she wants or he wants. This is what they want. So I will help you. I'll help by providing the resources that you need to be able to get to where you want to be. The universe is really cool like that because God and the universe want you to be successful. Because your, your real sole purpose for being here on earth is to be happy, that you might have joy. So whatever you plant in our subconscious mind and nourish with repetition and emotion will one day become a reality. Earl Nightingale said that too. He's a pretty smart guy. So you plant something in your subconscious by continually thinking about it. And if you're continually thinking that your business or your relationship is not being successful, then that's exactly what you're going to get. When, because you keep repeating it over and over and over and over again. If you think you're going to get a divorce because that's all you think about, then guess what? You're going to end up with one. If you think about that you're going to lose this client 
because you may have made a mistake or because there's not some kind of resonance between you and you think about it and think about it and think about it, then yeah, you're going to lose that client. The things that we worry about, that we ruminate over, that we chew over, that we are constantly repeating over, over, over in our heads in a negative fashion, those are the things that we are going to absolutely get. And especially when you attach it to emotion. So you think about losing the most important relationship in the world to you. That's attached to an emotion. And if you think that you're going to divorce whoever or leave whoever and you attach the emotion to that, then yeah, that's going to happen for you. And is that really what you want? Success is whatever it means to you, not to your neighbor, not to your competitor, and not to you. So what the podcast is going to look like going forward, sometimes it'll just be me teaching and sometimes I'm going to have some really awesome guests. I have guests lined up for you that are people who are experts in their field and they'll be talking about ways that you can hack into happiness, ways that you can hack into resilience and optimism and accountability and resourcefulness. And they're going to be giving you tools. They're going to be teaching you because that's what I want for you is to be successful at whatever it is you want to do, however you want to be successful. What does that look like for you? So actually, I have an assignment for you before you come back to the next podcast where we have a really, really awesome guest. I'm not going to tell you who it is. It's a surprise. But I want you to write down what is it that you really want your life to look like? In the next year, what do you want to have accomplished? And please, please do not just do this with business goals. Do this with your life. What does he look like in your life? What do your relationships look like? What does your finances look like? What does your business look like? What is your, um, you know, what kind of a, a activity level are you going to have? Are you going to go do fun things? Are you going to um, have new friends? What are you going to do? What does it look like to you? And please write that down and have that in front of you. And we will be talking next time when I come back about how you can actually begin to make that kind of life a reality. And our guest will have special tips and tricks for you on what has worked for them. And we're going to figure out how we truly can hack into happiness because that's what I want for you. I want you to be happy. So we look at these two words, self-worth and self-esteem. Self-esteem is how we feel about ourselves based on the feedback that we get from the rest of the world. So if somebody says something horrible about us, it kind of takes a nick out of our self-esteem sometimes. Kind of like if somebody is constantly battering us down with bad comments, bad things about how awful we are, then that's what we take on. And that's our self-esteem. And it fluctuates like this. It goes up and down depending on the feedback that we get from other people. Self-worth, on the other hand, is what we came to earth with. It's what you were born with. Self-worth. 
And your self-worth, your worth and your value is completely immeasurable. You can not put a value on how valuable and important you are. So keep that in mind. Come back and join me next time. And we will talk about further ways that you can learn to roar. Thanks. I'll talk to you later. Thank you for joining us today as we learn happiness hacks, relationship tools, how to refuel our resilience batteries and perfect our roar. Resilience, optimism, accountability, and resourcefulness. Roar to win. I'm Sandra Yancey, CEO and founder of eWomen Network. We invite you to listen to all of our EWN podcast hosts at EWNpodcastnetwork.com. This is the EWN Podcast Network.